0: Welcome to the Business of Luxury podcast, where we feature exclusive conversations with entrepreneurs, executives, and influencers on the leading edge of luxury. On today's episode, WhoMan connects with Anish Melwani, chairman and CEO of LVMH for North America. In his role, he oversees and coordinates the activities of the LVMH group across more than 75 maisons. Prior to joining LVMH in 2015, he was a senior partner in the New York office of McKinsey & Company, where he co-led the global strategy and corporate finance practice and supported clients across various industries. In this episode, you'll hear Anish share how the pandemic and economy impacted the luxury market, including LVMH, his vision for the Cheval Blanc Hotel in Beverly Hills, and how the hotel will benefit the city of Beverly Hills and its residents. Let's join Human for his conversation with Anish Melwani.
1: Anish, thank you so much for joining our show today. Come on, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Uh, as you were growing up, did you ever imagine your path leading you to oversee a company such as LVMH? Not even, not even
2: a clue. I grew up uh, uh, the son of immigrants, uh, you know, in New York, and um, uh, started my was was very fortunate to to go to a good university and uh, and uh, started my career as a management consultant. And uh, my clients were mostly big industrial companies and governments. I used to do strategy and M and A uh, for them, um, and uh, had never even you know looked at the world of consumer or fashion or luxury or, or anything like that. Uh, and in fact, anybody who knows me from those days uh, would tell you that just by looking at the way I dressed, I was the least likely person to uh, to end up in this, in this world. Um, and uh, which is all the more reason why, when the opportunity came 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 up, uh, it was simply something I couldn't pass up. Right, uh, and I can tell you that the, the privilege to to work for someone like Bernard Arnault and the LVMH Group and the learning that I've been able to get uh, from you know, working with the people who are really uh, at the pinnacle of, of each of their industries in our different categories uh, has just been an incredible experience and incredible opportunity that's um, that's very, very humbling.
1: No question. I've never seen a company or a conglomerate such as LVMH be the best in every area of what they do. Like, it's either excellence to the highest level or it doesn't happen And they are a prime example of that. Prime example of that. Well, you know, excellence
2: is one of our core values that Mr. Arnaud has set for the group, Uh, and it also, you know, the core belief of the group is that people make the difference. So, what I can tell you is the reason why it works, and why we, you know, we can, we um, at least in many situations, we deserve the that uh, that view that you have, is because we have extraordinary people. Uh, who are deeply committed uh, to to their their craft and to preserving you know the heritage and the DNA of these maison's uh, that we are the custodians for in, in the moment. So it, it really is the people that drive that excellence, and we're very very fortunate to have so many incredible people on the team.
1: Beyond evident, beyond evident. You know when people hear LVMH, there's always a close association with obviously Louis Vuitton but there are numerous other brands that you oversee and lead. Can you give us a glimpse into the breadth of brands and how they're organized?
2: Uh, Sure. Um, We currently have, I believe, 75 or 76 Maisons. So I'm not gonna uh, walk you through all of them, but uh, uh, the, the biggest part of our group that we're probably best known for is the fashion and leather goods segment. And that includes Louis Vuitton, uh, Christian Dior Couture, uh, also a number of other brands which are on uh, Rodeo Drive, uh, Fendi, uh, Piana, Loewe, Givenchy, Céline, uh, and a number of other smaller ones uh, in the Berluti uh, in that division. Uh, then we have um, a very big perfumes and cosmetics business, uh, which is um, uh, Parfums Christian Dior, Parfums Givenchy, Parfums Loewe, Parfums Kenzo, but also a few Maisons that are based in the U.S. We have uh, 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 Benefit Cosmetics in San Francisco. We have Fresh, which is a beautiful skincare brand in New York. And we have Kendo, which is our uh, incubator platform that has created Fenty Beauty and Fenty Skin with uh, Rihanna, our our partner in that business. Um, Then... Uh, also present on Rodeo Drive, we have our watches and jewelry division. So we have uh, the most recent addition to that is Tiffany & Company uh, that we acquired two years ago. Uh, but, of course, Bulgari, uh, Hublot, Tag Heuer, Zenith. Uh, and we have a couple brands, Fred and Chaumet, uh, that are not currently distributed in the in the U.S. Um, then we have uh, the, the other half of LVMH is the MH part, Moet Hennessy, our wines and spirits portfolio. The biggest pillars in that are Hennessy Cognac, and then our Champagnes uh, from Dom Perignon, Krug, Boeuf moet Moëte Chandon, uh, Ruinar, and most recently we acquired 50% of uh, Armand de Brignac, also known as Ace of Spades, with uh, J- the Jay-Z started, yes. and we're, we're part of that business.
1: Uh,
2: but then we also do have a few other spirits. We have Belvedere Vodka, Vulcan Tequila, Glenmorangie and Ardbeg Scotch Whiskey. Uh, And uh, Woodenville Whiskey, which is actually based out of Washington State, and uh, uh, it's a fantastic bourbon that's growing very well. Uh, And most recently in that business, we acquired uh, Joseph Phelps uh, in Napa Valley to complement our other uh, still wine portfolio. Um, And then the last piece is uh, what we call selective retailing. Uh, The the biggest uh, maison in that group is Sephora. That's probably the one that most people don't realize as part of LVMH, so people are the most surprised when they uh, they learn that. Um, but we also have DFS, we have uh, Starboard Cruise Services, and we have Le Bon Marché, which is a uh, flagship department store in the uh, in the Left Bank in Paris. That's a quick rundown. Sorry, I can't forget uh, the. We have another division, which is not really a division, it's just called Other. And that's where our hospitality businesses are, which is uh, Belmond and Cheval Blanc
1: Hotels. Is that all? I'm just joking. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing, you know. It never ceases to amaze me, the hunger, the thirst, and the desire for LVMH and Mr. Arno to always go after the best and continuously to grow and grow and always acquire the best, which is really inspiring for all these great uh, brands and people in the luxury world who are looking to either start a business or who have and are starting to grow it gives them such motivation and such hope to know that there is a company as great as LVMH that is out there, watching, looking, and seeking great talent and brands to be able to be bought or become part of the LVMH brand. It's it's a huge motivator that cannot be expressed enough.
2: Well, you know, uh, first, thank you for that, and I will tell you from my discussions with Mr. Arno. He really has this extraordinary vision where the brands that he believes should be part of the group are brands that he can see being around 100 years from now.
1: Mm. You know,
2: he doesn't look for brands that he can make money on in the next 10 years and sell them or five years and sell them. There are investors who do that, and there's nothing wrong with that strategy, but it's not the LVMA strategy. So when he sees a brand like Tiffany & Company, like Belmond, uh, like Joseph Phelps, You know, he sees something that has the heritage and the quality and the craftsmanship built into its DNA, that it can be here forever. And brands like that are are the ones that are a good fit to become an LVMH Maison.
1: That's true vision at the highest level. You know, now that we've practically come out of the pandemic and uh, navigating our current economy, how is this impacting the luxury market? And LVMH particularly, in your opinion,
2: you know, uh, it's um, uh, it's been a, it's been an interesting few years that we've navigated through so far, and I think we came out with our results in January, at the end of January, and I think we're, we've weathered the storms quite well. Um, you know, the answer is it's it, the impact is all over the place, um, but it also demonstrates the the the, the um, power of the diversification of our portfolio. So you know, starting towards the back half of last year and into this year, we did see we we have seen some softness in some of the luxury uh, um, uh, lines in North America, but a big chunk of that has been recaptured in Europe because when the exchange rate was so low and uh, and people were traveling so much to Europe, a lot of Americans were doing their purchases on that side, right? And so uh, while the North America business might have been a little bit soft, the overall global business was benefiting. Um, you know, we, uh, we're we all reading the newspaper and listening to The economists about whether or not we're in a recession, going to have a recession, et cetera. It kind of doesn't matter, um, because at the end of the day, there are definitely some customers in the U.S. who will pull back a little bit just because of the, the feeling in the marketplace, and that's, that's very normal. Um, on the other hand, we're seeing in our perfumes and cosmetics business and our Sephora business, that business is still extremely strong, because while people may pull back from some higher ticket purchases they still wanna indulge in the small luxuries that, that make them happy. And, and perfumes and cosmetics is a great way uh, uh, to do that. Um, but if I take a step back and look at it from a global basis, we also have a positive effect that's coming this year, uh, which is uh, China has come out of the pandemic faster than many people expected, right? It was a fairly quick about face of their zero COVID policy. And so where nobody was really projecting the return of Chinese travelers to Japan, Southeast Asia, Europe, and maybe even the U.S. This year, uh, in December, that wasn't something that was planned. Now it's looking much more likely. In fact, we're already seeing it in in Macau, and Japan, and you know I think it's a, only a question of how quickly we'll start to see them again in Europe and, and here in the U.S. So um, I, I think at the end of the day, uh, we're in a tricky economy in the U.S. without a doubt, um, but. Uh, with the power of our diversification, I think we are we are well positioned to navigate through it. And, you know, usually in tough times, uh, groups that are financially strong, like LVMH, tend to come out uh, for the better at the
1: end of it. Absolutely. And there's so much like you said, there's so much wealth out there. Then when it comes to luxury, people are there able and willing to spend money. And the fact that China had been locked down for so long is not going to even amplify that to a new level with uh, revenues and sales and profit margins. I think it's going to be a great 2023 for the luxury world. I really do. And all signs are indicating towards that. Um you know, LVMH for the past few years has purchased real estate in Beverly Hills with plans to open a Cheval Blanc hotel. I wanted to know what is your vision for this location? And how will it benefit the city of Beverly Hills?
2: Yeah, Haman, it's a great question. Um, this is a project that we've been working on now for almost four years uh, since we since we finished acquiring the properties. And um, I think the, the 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 well the overall vision for it is to have not only the best and most luxurious hotel in Beverly Hills and Los Angeles, but to be one of the most luxurious hotels in in North America, right? And and the reason why we we believe this is the right location for it is because Beverly Hills and Rodeo Drive specifically are kind of unique in North America. You know, uh, we we see Beverly Hills as as, uh, among the the sort of luxury districts worldwide, along with Bond Street in London, along with Avenue Montaigne in in Paris, with Amotisando in Tokyo. These are the the very few uh, places that truly represent luxury uh, completely right? And, and this is where we and our competitors have our flagship stores. This is where the customers and clients come because they know that this is where they're going to see the highest expression of luxury. And we believe that's where, you know, our highest expression of luxury and hospitality belongs. Um, in terms of benefits for the city, we see it on a couple angles. First, it's a, it's going to be a de novo building designed by Peter Marino, who's a phenomenal architect, whose work is already present in Beverly Hills. So while we think this building is going to be uh, unique and and very special, it's also been designed to fit in with the overall feeling of Beverly Hills and elevate it without uh, disrupting it. Uh, And and obviously architecture is a benefit for anyone who gets to look at it. We have um, public art built into the project um, uh, on the corner of uh, Little Santa Monica and Rodeo Drive, inside the lobby of the hotel and in the public spaces of the hotel. Um, But also, as part of our development agreement that was negotiated and approved by the City Council, uh, there is, um, well, there's $26 million just for the city's coffers, but an additional $2 million specifically to promote uh, art in Beverly Hills. And, look, we we think that the the city will benefit in the short term from these kinds of uh, investments. And in the long run... You know, uh, we 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 believe this is going to be a very valuable enterprise for us and for the for the city. Um, the estimate is over the next thirty years, it will generate about seven hundred fifty million dollars of uh, of taxes, a uh, hundred million of that specifically for Beverly Hills schools. Um, so we think that you know this is uh, it, it, we, we we genuinely believe this is a win win for us because it allows us to to express a new form of of ultimate luxury in Beverly Hills. And a good thing for the community because it, uh, it takes an already amazing place and, uh, and makes it even better.
1: Yeah, there's no question. There couldn't have been a better marriage. You couldn't even script it better than this. When you've got the ultimate luxury company, LVMH, and then you've got the most luxurious city in the world, Beverly Hills, and Rodeo Drive being only two and a half blocks. There really couldn't have been any better scenario than this. And it's very exciting for something like this to come to fruition and it will have an impact on such a global level. You know, anytime any group of people engage in something that has a universal global impact tells you how important such an endeavor is. And clearly that's the case here. Uh, So we couldn't be happier to 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 know that something like this is on the verge of, of, of being done. With that said, you know, the Beverly Hills Council has approved the location. But now there's a referendum that will be going on the ballot. What would you want Beverly Hills residents to know as they're preparing to vote on this very important issue?
2: Um, you know, I, I think what we want people to, to know or really to remember is that you know we've spent two years working with the Planning Commission, with Mayor Bossy and the members of the City Council, and engaging with the residents of Beverly Hills. We had know, 50 or 60 different sessions where we invited the community in to review the project and give us feedback. And, by the way, that process with the Planning Commission, with the community, and with the City Council made our project better. That's part of why we're so excited about it, because... We've said from the beginning, um, we aren't developers. We are owner operators. We have been in the Beverly Hills community for the last 30 years. We intend to be here for the next 100 years. And we want the project that the community wants. That's, that's what will make it uh, make sense for, for us. So we want to you know have everyone remember that this isn't a new project that they're just hearing about for the first time, that, that they've uh, it's the project that they've had a chance to engage with. And I think the the only other thing we want to say is it's we're, you know, obviously it's disappointing that there's a referendum questioning the judgment of the planning commission and the city council, because we think they did a very uh, thorough process. But we also think the questions in the referendum themselves sort of fail on the merits, right? Because um, they, the, the uh, proponents of the referendum identify priorities of Beverly Hills that require funding, like affordable housing. Well, our project will be a great source of funding for the city of Beverly Hills to pursue its priorities. But you don't get the funding if the project doesn't happen. So we, we think that, um, you know, fundamentally, uh, we, we, we just want people to really look at these questions that are being asked on the ballot and see if they make sense for the, for the community. We, we as members of the community ourselves, we don't believe they do, but that's what, that's what everyone's going to have to look at and,
1: and judge for themselves. You know, it goes hand in hand because the concern that some have, the solution is by this project happening. <laughs> that's the thing, you know. For this project to happen, all the solutions will be will be there. So it's it's it, it's a it goes hand in hand as to why this should happen. In fact,
2: that that's certainly what we believe genuinely. Again, we we feel like the questions fail on their merits, um, but. You know, again, we're, we're very much hoping that we have the community support and we'll we'll find out on I think it's May 23rd.
1: That's right. It's around the corner. Anish, as you think back about the challenges you've, you that you have faced in life and in business, what have you personally learned in terms of how to respond when those things arise?
2: You know, I've been very, very blessed in my life. Um, to have had incredible mentors at every stage of my, uh, of my youth and in my career. And, um, you know, when I got when, the reason I came to join LVMH uh, is because I had it was the chance to work uh, directly for Mr. Arnault and to learn from him. Um, the bonus has been uh, getting to learn from people like Sidney Toledano, who ran Dior for us for 20 years and is the chairman of our fashion group. From Michael Burke, who uh, just recently stepped down after 10 years running Louis Vuitton and, and 40 years in the group, uh, stepping into a new role. Uh, Tony Belloni, who's uh, our group managing director. You know, um, uh, these are the people who have provided me with the with the, the the learning and the guidance to navigate those tough times. So, my honest answer to you is: when when things get complicated. Uh, I, I What I've always done is is go to my mentors and uh, and and seek the wisdom of what's what's come before, right? Because the reality is you know the, the media likes to talk about everything being unprecedented. Mm. Uh, the reality is most while, while this exact situation may not have happened, we've had tough times in the past. Crazy things have happened in the past. And so, you know, I, I've always found that when I when I go and, and uh, apprentice myself to my mentors and and seek what, uh, you know, what, what guidance from what's been done in the past, it always helps give me a clearer way to think about the problems and then, you know, figure out what, what way to move forward.
1: You know, thank you for sharing that insight, because that's a very profound insight. And we tend to forget it's part of human nature is to forget where we've got everything from you know the people that came before us and when we're successful in what we're doing it's very easy with the gravitational of the physical world to forget our roots to forget where things originated from and to have that awareness to have that appreciation and to recognize it and and live by those principles is what will continue for us to be very successful and that's clearly evident with you um so i really commend you on that and I want to thank you again for joining our show today, sharing the insights that you have, and to greatly appreciate your time tremendously.
2: it an honor and a pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you in Beverly
0: Hills. Absolutely. Thank you again. We hope you enjoyed Who conversation today, and we invite you to share this episode with someone who might enjoy it as well. Take a screenshot on your phone, text it to them, and tell them to check out businessofluxurypodcast.com. Also, we encourage you to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for listening to The Business of Luxury.